This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bitheads. They are a staple in the tech community I come from and have done incredible work over the past 18 years with some of the largest brands in the world, including The Simpsons, Tapped Out, Box, Optimal Payments, The New York Times, among many, many, many others. All told, they've built over 500 solutions from enterprise to entertainment. I'm proud to have them as a part of Untether.tv. Please support us by supporting them. Go to bitheads.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untethered.tv. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. We're going to jump over to the venture capital side one more time. We're going to take a look at understanding what VCs are looking for in entrepreneurs and get a little bit of behind the scenes working at the entrepreneur or the venture capital industry. Today, we've got Mo Kermani, who is the managing partner at VanEdge Capital out of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Mo, welcome to Untethered.tv. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on to our Ask the VC excerpt here on Untether.tv. Uh, why don't you uh, enlighten us? What is, who is Vantage Capital? So Vantage is a $140 million venture fund in Vancouver. And breaking, we invest, if you kind of think about it, in two distinct areas. Uh, one area has to do with anything that surrounds or has is connected with digital media that includes gaming, game-like entertainment, or the entire digital transformations that's taking place and with a specific focus on small and medium businesses that have relied traditionally on paper and now they're moving to a digital realm. So the, the other side of our investment, we talk about the digital media, the other side of our investment is the area that I look after and that has to do with um, uh, more enterprise software or infrastructure software, uh, really think about it, the layers of software that really are enabling the, the, the revolution in cloud-based computing. So, so I specifically look at security, and I also look at, along those lines, companies that are, in, that are disintermediating incumbents in an existing market, either through the introduction of a new business model or a new technology. So, and uh, that's a snapshot of Vantage and uh, the companies we invest in. What's an, what's an, exa what's an example? Yeah, because I know I've seen, we've seen like uh, the, the big games. So I give, you, I, give you two, so I give you two examples. I give you an example uh, actually of a company we recently exited. Um, so we were investors in World Tech. That's an industrial cybersecurity company. You have all these connected devices that are now running the in critical infrastructure from oil and gas power plants to factories to what is known today as the Internet of Things. And all of these devices are connected and they're networked together and therefore they need security. So we are investors in World Tech, a company that provided security solutions for those connected devices. And we recently exited that company. It was acquired by GE. That's an example of a more of a security company in the infrastructure space. I give you an example also a vertical market company what I would call companies that are disintermediating incumbents using a new business model. And that's a company based out of New York called Boundless Spatial. We're the lead investors in that company, and that company makes the leading open source software stack for dealing with geospatial data. So geospatial data rely, means any kind of information rely, regarding the location of people, objects or devices on the face of the earth. It's one of the last bastions of closed source software. And we see it as a great opportunity to disrupt the, the incumbent uh, through this company. It's got, and it's based out of New York, and it's got uh, great market traction. 
Is there is there a challenge balancing that that kind of like the gaming side, which you guys are very active on, and the enterprise side? I mean, is there? Well, well I, I think it comes down to really having the right level of skill and partnership within the firm. Obviously, my partner Paul is very well in the digital well-versed and very well-known in the digital media and the gaming side. And I come more from the enterprise software side. So we try to, um, you know, to have a pretty good balance of expertise within the fund that allows us to identify the companies, but also enables us to really contribute to the building of companies. Because I think for the most part, we look at this as we want to be a partner of the entrepreneur and help them build a company. Because it takes a lot more to build a company than just capital. Capital is an important part of it, but it takes a lot more. Yeah, no, it's funny because even the even the gaming and the media companies that you guys invested in, um, these are enterprise plays. These are plumbing plays, right? So it, there is a yes. similarity across all of these. It's just you, you know, gaming or media or you know, deep enterprise or geospatial data. It's the same. At the at the bottom line is that you're you're building a business, and that's ultimately what you guys are looking at. Yeah, and, and building a business, and a lot of these have uh, very common threads when you, it comes to actual execution on the, for example, to go to market. Whether it's a channel play, it's a direct sales play, it's an OEM play, right. um, all of these things at the end of the day boil, in my view, to a set of basic principles that, that can be followed. Obviously, there are specifics in each industry, but uh, there are a lot, a lot of things that are in common. What, what is your back, background, Mo? You, you were, you're an entrepreneur. So does that mean that you're a, a former entrepreneur and a VC, or are you a reformed VC? Like, how, how, does, how does your past fit into this? So you know, I I was an I I really was an entrepreneur for 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 a long time. But my background, my, I was originally trained as a particle physicist, believe it or not. So so, but try not to hold that against me. And I'm kind of <laughs> new to, but I'm kind of new to the dark side, if you will. And um, and uh, I was an entrepreneur. And most recently, I was the founder, one of the co-founder and the CEO of a company called Bycast. And Bycast was a Canadian company based on the West Coast. And it built uh, some of the largest enterprise storage systems in the entire world. It was actually a leading um, supplier of software for building large-scale uh, uh, archives of data or an infrastructure what event for what today is known as cloud storage. Bycast was one of the very first companies to put in place infrastructure to enable cloud storage. And we built that company for about 11 years, and he, that company was acquired in 2010 by NetApp, which is the second largest storage company in the world. And that technology is actually NetApp's object storage platform, and it continues to be alive and well and used around the world. So I come from the standpoint of building products and then trying to figure out what it is that the needs of the market are and, and how to sell it, how to go to market. And prior to Bycast, I was involved with a number of other things that were wildly unsuccessful. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> that's a badge. So, that's a badge of honor, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a badge of honor. It's just more scars. I mean, I rather would have been. I would have rather been successful every time. But you know, I, so well. So uh, you raised money for that company. Yes, I did. So you went through the whole process of pitching. Yeah, absolutely. I I went through the process of pitching the VCs, pitching the angels, getting refused lots of times. Uh, to various degrees, and uh, and then finding the you know finding VCs that I could get along with, and and you know it's I like to say, and I tell this to all the entrepreneurs, you know finding a VC and a an investor in your company is not quite as bad as getting married, but it's pretty close because it's about forming a long-term relationship. So uh, in addition to the valuation and the terms and all of these things we struggle with, you gotta like people you like working for or with 
Uh, because life, you know what they say, and I don't know if I can say this on, on virtual TV, but life's too short to deal with assholes, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and you, you managed to find a good group of VCs. That, I uh, found a great group of VCs, and I found a good, good group of uh, angels, and I found a good group of people that had been there and done all of the things that I hadn't done, and I relied tremendously on their advice and their insight. And at the end of the day, I knew that my commitment to my shareholders and my employees and my customers ultimately was such that the buck stopped with me. I, I think that's an important principle to hold in mind. Absolutely, in mind. absolutely. You're the CEO of the company. Ultimately, you're, you, that, that, right. that burden rides with you. Um, yeah. So you uh, you exited, and then why why become a VC? What was, I'm just interested in that. Why become a VC, man? Look, at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that I did was when I was raising money and towards the kind of the last stages of ICAST, I had a tremendous amount of interest from a lot of very, very well-connected U.S. Silicon Valley VCs to invest in the company. Um, and I got exposure to kind of VCs that were entrepreneurs that had gone, that were entrepreneurs that had gone to set up VC funds and the magnitude of contributions that they could make to the building of the company. Sure. And Huge. I always want to, and I thought Canada, you know, our venture community relative to the United States, it's really small. So I think the more people on the entrepreneurial side that could help build the next generation of companies and work for fun so that they have ample capital behind them. Um, I, I, I thought that was a cool thing and something that, that I could help out with and something that gets me excited. I, you know, I always got to do something that gets me excited. So, do you have do you have uh, do you have more empathy for the starving entrepreneur that sits in front of you now, and and uh, then then you think you would if you hadn't gone through it yourself? Uh, of course, I think um, you know. I, I guess you know there are two kinds of venture investors that entrepreneurs run across. There are financial engineers and there are operating people. And and look, financial engineering is an essential part of it. I don't want to at all downplay that in any way, shape, or form. But when you are sitting at the boardroom table and you're trying to plan for growth or you're trying to plan for a go-to-market strategy or you're trying to plan for solve the next big problem, it's always really beneficial to kind of think about you know, this is not like falling off a log where you just say, grow the business 100% next year. It just happens. It, there is a certain amount of risk. There is a certain amount of exogenous factors that no entrepreneur can control. And I think I have a more of an understanding of the, the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes to actually do it. So it's a good answer. I don't know if that's empathy, but... You, yeah, but you can cut through it. I mean, I, you know, I always believe that, um, you know, if you have never been on the other side asking for money, if you've never been there having to prove a business model, it's a very hard thing to to get into an entrepreneur's mind. And, and you know, an entrepreneur is, is, is a lot up here. It's a lot of planning, but it's a lot of gut as well. And, and uh, you, you know, it's very hard to explain unless you've actually been on the other side. So it's I'm always want, I always wonder. And I like the idea of, of, uh, of entrepreneurs becoming VCs because they bring that little bit of understanding from from the other mm -hmm. side with them in their job. It could be baggage, which may not be good. But yeah. uh, but if you've had successes and failures, you understand what that entrepreneur is going through. Um, so that's 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 where I was going with that. But how how is it? I mean, when you look at a, at a, at a, at an opportunity now, I mean, what is your investment criteria? What are you thinking of um, when you're when an entrepreneur is sitting in front of you, 
Uh, is it the team? Is it the idea? Is it the vision? Is it a combination of all of them? But what weighs heavier? So here, here's the fundamental thing that I believe in is at the end of the day, if you look at the companies that are successful, a lot of them are successful for a completely different idea or a different thing than they originally started with. So the market opportunity is important, but it's the broad market opportunity. It is not kind of the specifics because I know for a fact that whatever we think we know, there's one thing for sure, we don't know it. And uncertainty is part of life and you're trying to extrapolate into the future. And you can't be accurate because you don't have all the information. So for me, I have to tell you this and all the VCs say it, uh, but I really, you know, I've internalized this more and more and more. It's the people that we invest in. We invest in the people. In the technology business, it's not like going into the mining business where you're investing in an asset in the ground. You're investing in the people. And what I look for is do these people have the analytical thinking skills, the fire in the belly, and the, really the commitment and the determination to succeed? And are they in a, in, a, in a growing market or in the right market opportunity? Because it's not a question of when things are going to go it's not a question of if things are going to go wrong or if things there's going to be bumps in the road. It's a question of when exactly. and how does one deal with them when you get, one gets there. And, uh, and it comes down to the people and their ability to be resourceful and to be creative and to solve problems. You know, I, 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 that's such a great statement right there because, you know, I, I believe wholeheartedly, you know, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. It's just, it just the way that, not a successful one, but I've, I've been an entrepreneur all my life, right? And, and I'm a terrible employee, uh, as most entrepreneurs are. Um, maybe there's a transition when, when, uh, into a VC world. But uh, people ask me, you know, they, they quit their jobs at 40 or 42 or 43, and they say, I'm going to start my business. And, and they ask me for advice. And I always say to them, like, you know, I've been doing this for so long. You know when you play guitar for so long and you get calluses on your fingers, mm -hmm. right? Um, they said, I, I've been doing this, like, since I was, I was a magician when I was 10 years old, uh, you know, selling myself basically to kids' birthday parties. And, and I said, from that point till now, I've developed a full-body entrepreneurial callus. So anything that happens during the day, I can basically turn it off at night and get a good night's sleep and I'm resilient stuff. I mm -hmm. absorb things. It bounces off. You know, not, nothing phases me as an entrepreneur. And I think that, you know, you spend your life as an entrepreneur, you get, you develop this full body callus, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can deal with all the stuff that's about to happen. And I think that that's a, the way you just described it is so perfect is that it's not if it happens, it's when it happens and it's how you react to that. So how do you look into somebody's eyes and know that that person can actually withstand what is about to happen well I don't think it's it's a one meeting or one interaction that determines that it's a series of interactions that determine that but first impressions are very very important I can't for for anybody I can't underestimate I can't understate uh, one of those things is how prepared are people right how prepared are people and how well do they know what they're talking about and if they don't know what they're talking about, are they going to BS your way their way through it? And like it's little things. I I don't think it's anything too complicated. It's about the little things uh, that that say a lot. And 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 ultimately the passion and the drive and the integrity. I mean, if you tell me, you know, you show up and you tell me you're going to do a million bucks in revenue this year, and you actually can't substantiate what the product is, how the price, I mean, th that shows a certain amount of lack of preparation, 
and not knowing what you're talking about. And if you're going from a million to a hundred million next year and all you're raising is five hundred thousand dollars to go to a hundred million dollars, well there's something wrong with that picture. I you know, I I wish I could have I wish I could have <laughs> one of those businesses. Uh, so 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 those are the I think you look I tend to look for things that kind of uh, are anomalous. And uh, anomalies generally um, end up having a root cause and and I try to see if and, and it's a good thing if they're not anomalies or they're fewer anomalies. What's what's the worst thing an entrepreneur can say to you and say in front of you or do in front of you? Is that it be disingenuous? Take your I think go- I think the business of investing and like I said, it's like getting married. Okay, so when you get married or you go out with a girl or a guy <laughs> and, and you get married, the idea is is it's based on integrity and a relationship of trust. So I think Anything that the VC does to break the relationship of trust is detrimental. And anything the entrepreneur does to break the relationship of trust is, 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 is uh, detrimental. I think first and foremost is a relationship of trust. You got to just say it the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I always hear this is that VCs or uh, entrepreneurs are, are, are afraid of disclosing too much to the VCs because then they'll go find a company that, uh, or some founders and fund the idea if it's a good idea. What do you say to people like that that, that are so well, but paranoid? The, those, yeah, but then the VCs shouldn't be VCs because VCs are ultimately in the business of confidentiality, right? Right, and the business of trust. And uh, and and here's the thing: if by just telling your idea to somebody, they can go independently of you and execute on your entire business plan. Maybe you should think about a different business. It's not a business, is it? It's exactly it. If you're that paranoid. Well, I, I agree with that. How, how do how do uh, how do founders how do entrepreneurs get in front of you? What's the best way for somebody to get in front of you? Well, at the end of the day, you know, the network is really important. If you want to get in front of any VC, find somebody that they know, and get that person to give you an introduction, or go to conferences that you know where the VCs are, and just seek out the VC. Uh, see, this is also another trait that comes into. It's selling your, when you're a CEO, you're always selling. And you're selling different things. You're selling your product to customers. You're selling your vision to your employees to keep them. And you're selling your stock to investors. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the whole process is that the, the, the creative way of getting in front of the VC also says a lot about the entrepreneur and their ability to seek out customers and be able to sell. It is. Well, how much, I mean, how much is too much information to send you? Like, you know, so say they've, maybe we walk through that process of, so I've, I've actually piqued your interest. I've been able to get in front of you in a creative way, whether that's through a warm referral at a conference. Now you start to recognize my name. You start to write, we start to have a conversation. I mean, this is a courting. This is kind of a dating situation. You don't want to, you don't want to lay it all out in the, on the first date. I, 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 I don't think so. I, I, I think you, it, it goes back to that Jeffrey Moore, you know, one of the most, my fa- all time favorite books and the whole, you know, being able to give your elevator pitch to various layers and be able to drill down on it is excellent. And if you get to a meeting where the investor has substantial interest and you want to get down to the weeds, get down to the weeds. I mean, you've got to be able to go up and down the stack, if I, uh, I would say, is to, to the extent that's necessary. And, and so, I mean, how far, like, do you ever see an idea where you're, like, somebody does that and, and the elevator pitch is so good that you've made up your mind right away about investing in the company and then it's a matter of trying to figure out what, how this yeah, is going to work? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, I uh, one of the investments I made. I, I, I met the. I, I talked to the entrepreneurs over the phone. I met them dinner on a Friday, and we gave them a term sheet the next Monday. So it can be that quick if the idea is right. It can it be it, yeah. it, if it's all the combination of things are right. Okay. Um, yeah. So timing the right spot. You're the right VC. The right, you're the uh, right, right VC who understands the space. So a lot of times, uh, um, a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot, a tremendous amount of time educating a given VC on the space. Mm -hmm. Versus if they go to a VC who's already well versed in the space, it, it actually it, it shortens the path. But also the VC can help them tremendously in the space because, again, it's about there's a lot of different things that are needed to build the company. If Entrepreneurs are looking for the VCs that just put in the money and it's green and that's all they get from the VC. I probably am not the right VC for them to begin <laughs> with. But, but, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, not, it, it's not a good use of, they should go and raise the money from friends and family and, and I think VC is just too much overhead for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. Um, is it advisable for a, a founder, an entrepreneur, to just start a dialogue when they're not ready for VC uh, for investment from you guys, but just at least start that dialogue, uh, create a relationship, or is that too long uh, a lead time for for? Uh, I, I you know, I always believe that. I, I always believed as an entrepreneur, and I tell you my view when I was on the other side. The best time to talk to VCs is when you don't need money. Okay. Uh, yeah, because, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to waste their time. Don't get me wrong. But if you're coming and you're running out of money next month and that's the first time you decided to go start fundraising, that says a lot of things about your ability to plan your business. And it puts everybody under a very severe time pressure that, oh, you need to make a decision now. I think the best time from an entrepreneur's perspective is get to know the investment community uh, well before you need to raise the capital. And keep the investment community appraised of the progress that you make, right? And your company. Is there, you know, uh, early on, especially in Canada, the VCs are, you know, the the perception is that they're a little, there's not as much money, and 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 they're a little bit more conservative in their investment nature, and they take a little bit of time. Um, but is it uh, is it fair to say that uh, Canadian companies are underfunded compared to the U.S. or are we just looking at the wrong companies? You know, the right companies are funding the right amount. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, I think good companies get funded wherever Period. they are. Yeah. So, so, so that's that. Not can it, look at the end of the day. To Canadian companies are funded less. It, but it depends what. I I hate. First of all, I hate to make generalizations about Canadian companies are X or U.S. companies are Y. Yeah. I, I I I don't believe they hold. But if you look at, for example, setting up a development shop in the Bay Area versus setting up a development shop in Vancouver or in Ottawa. Right. Uh, they're vastly different in cost. Uh, if you're looking to hire an executive in Vancouver or an executive in Silicon Valley, it's different, but an executive in New York is even different than Silicon Valley. So I think, I think those things go into how much capital is necessary to execute on a business model. Makes sense. Like, yeah. That's the question. Well, what, speaking of questions, what, what questions should they, what, what questions would you expect an entrepreneur or a founder to ask? What should they be asking of you or to you during this whole process? What can you do to help me? Just flat out. Yeah. 
because life's too short. To, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're an entrepreneur. You have to be going at 100 miles an hour. If you are uh, dealing with the wrong uh, financial partner, that's a waste of time for you, but it's also a waste of time for the financial partner. Yeah. So what what can you do to help me is the question yeah. that you'd want them yeah, to ask you. Yeah. Okay. What can you do to help me? Well, I mean, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Do do entrepreneurs ask you that question or are they a little shy to ask you that question? I've had people ask me that question all the time. I mean, I again, I don't know about everyone, but yeah. All right. Now, okay. Listen, when you when you uh, you guys invest across not not just in Canada, you 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 invest uh, in North America, United States, and Canada. Is that where your your scope is? Yeah. Well, we have we have no specific geographic mandate, so okay. we we try to find companies we like and we invest in them. <laughs> and and what's the size of the average size of the deal for so you guys? We, we typically invest in Series A deals, uh, which are and in our initial check size is probably anywhere for a couple million bucks to five million bucks. Yeah. And over the lifetime of a deal, um, our kind of guardrails are in the sense that we could put up to 20 million bucks in a given deal. We, we haven't done that yet, but that's kind of where the spectrum is. Yeah. Um, and then do you have an ultimate goal? We, like, are you looking for public companies? You're looking for acquisition? Like, does it matter to you what the exit looks uh, like? Ultimately, ultimately, you know, we're a venture capital fund and we're in the business of liquidity. Uh, so, so uh, the liquidity can only come in two firms. One is an acquisition, one is an IPO. And it doesn't matter. Uh, to you. Uh, well, we want. We are interested in helping in building the company, and I think at various stages of the company, as a board or as shareholders, and ideally entrepreneurs as the leaders of these companies. Makes make to continue make sense to build the business or does it make sense to exit the business? And build the business means you continue to build and grow and eventually go public on the public markets, raise capital, put that capital in, and continue to grow. And uh, so that decision gets uh, made along the way uh, by the board and by the founders and by the entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, it's a. I mean, it's an exit's an exit, right? And as long as your yeah. your goal is to is to grow the company, I like that. Um, all right, I got two more questions for you. What, like, do you are you a deck guy? Like, do you when you talk to people, uh, do you expect them to send you a a PowerPoint or a, you know a, a deck of uh, of their of their pitch, or are you an in person type of guy? I'm more in person. So I sit across from them, and I just I, you know personally, everybody has their own styles. Personally, I like to have a deck as back pocket so that when they're gone, I can review it and yeah. understand. But ultimately, the very first meeting I have with a lot of entrepreneurs, I want to hear about them. Right, right. And then I want to hear about their business. Like, you know, why this business? What did you do? Like, what what drove you to start this business? And all, all those things about the individual. We said the people are, are probably the most important thing. What What's the most important slide then? That would Something that, that would catch your eye? I think if you could just tell me what you do. It's important. It's interesting. Just very simply explain your business idea on a slide. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. I like it. You're so direct, Mo. It's great because it's like, okay, what what can I do for you? And then what do you do? Those are the two questions, right? <laughs> Basically, right, right, a, a, right. of great importance. All right, when you when you look at the landscape, I mean, you got a great vantage point because you get you know you get inbound when it comes to business ideas and companies that are coming for you looking for investment, and you get this then you get this upper echelon of network of of, of venture capitalists that you interact with and angel investors that you interact yeah. with. Is there an industry that you're watching very closely that you you know 
maybe you're not investing in, but it's on the periphery and you're looking over here and you're thinking, oh man, that there's not enough entrepreneurs over there. Why aren't we focusing over there? Well, I, I guess I'm only focusing where there are a lot of entrepreneurs rather than areas where there aren't any. Yeah, you know, I, I suppose that's logical as well. But <laughs> because, if I, because I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm a venture investor. Right. So I need entrepreneurs to be there in order for, so my market are the entrepreneurs. Essentially, okay, that's to a good a certain answer. Extent. That's a good answer. Uh, so the area I focus in is I am, you know, as a fund, we're actively involved in the security landscape. We have an investment in uh, we have an investment in World Tech. We have an investment in Metaphor Software, which is an anomaly detection company based in Vancouver that's doing some very interesting work there. And we're investor in a in a barrier company called the Armor that's still in stealth mode, but generally in the security space. And we continue to be actively involved in that space. Um, and on kind of and it's a very crowded space but there are areas that we think are interesting and uh, and we you know we keep an eye on them and again we try to understand uh, and be knowledgeable enough about the space so that we can bring something to the entrepreneur and have a network that we can bring something to the entrepreneur I mean at the end of the day our edge is not that you know we're the world's greatest fund uh, we we have to be scrappy and we have to have a value add to the because great entrepreneurs and have choice that's a very important concept and, and we want to work with them that's a great answer because you're right great entrepreneurs do you have a favorite team like uh, you know when you guys have worked with 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 companies before and they exit or they move on um if they knocked on your door are you more likely to work with the guys that you've worked with before absolutely yeah. no question uh, it's very important there. So warm networks and then working with with uh, known entities and known entrepreneurs. Known entities. I mean, it's just like in any. I mean, if I ask anybody, the people they're going to hire in their companies. If you worked with somebody before, would you hire them again? And you had to go. Obviously, it's yeah. a proven. It, 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 you know, it, it takes a, a large portion of the risk out. I, I like that answer. I, and you know what? I, I always wonder how you become that guy. How do you become the guy that Mo would invest in, right? And and I think that it's it is around uh, having having the uh, the track record behind you. That's that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I, one last have you ever one last question here? Have you ever had a deal come across your plate in front of you and you turn it down and then a year later, two years later, regret not putting money into it? Yes. Has that happened? Does that happen all yes. the time, or is it is it just it an anomaly? I, I I I think there's. There's, like if you look at some of the big VCs, they have the anti-portfolio on their site. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, all, I think there isn't a, probably a single venture investor in the world that doesn't say that I passed on that deal and I shouldn't have. And that's why it's important to, you know, to analyze everything. And, uh, and it does take time. It, it really, it really, it really does. It really does, mate. We send people to find more information about you guys. Uh, visit our website, uh, vantagecapital.com. Uh, that's probably the best place uh, to visit us. And we attend on the various, uh, you know, financing conferences and VC conferences. And come and visit us. Get in front of them. Get in front of them. Vantagecapital.com. V-A-N-E-D-G-E capital.com. And look up Moe's proudly displayed on the on the website, of course, with all the other managing partners. And, and some of their investments are obviously listed on their website as well as Vantage Capital. Moe, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. No worries. Take care. Have a we've, good day. We've been speaking with uh, Moe Kermani, who is a managing partner at Vantage Capital. Go to VantageCapital.com. This has been another episode of Ask a VC. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Thanks, Moe.
Thank you.